Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast, a show created to be your go-to source for straightforward retirement advice. Best of all, it is presented in a language that you can understand. Are you ready for some straight talk on retirement planning without all the fluff? Well, you found the right podcast. Here's your host, certified financial planner, Greg Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez. I hope everybody is happy and healthy and really enjoyed their holiday season. I wanted to wrap up this year for 2023 with one last episode where we went over a kind of another rapid fire listener questions and client questions that we get here at the office because it seems like these episodes are a big, big hit with our listeners and they really get a lot of downloads. So we're going to end the year with one more Q&A from our listeners. And I've got a list here. I'm going to go through as many questions as I possibly can. And if you're a new listener to the Retirement Made Easy podcast, well, welcome. You can check out our website, which is retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. It's very long, but it's very cool. retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Once you're on the website, you can listen to the previous 154 episodes. There's a lot of them going back, what, a few years now. There's also a resources tab where you can download some helpful documents that'll help you with retirement planning. And then last but not least, you can submit your questions to me, to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. Any question that's on your mind regarding retirement planning or anything under the sun, you can type it in and submit it there. We might use your question on a future episode, or I might just answer it privately. The majority of the questions we're going to go over on today's episode were actually submitted from podcast listeners, just like yourself. So the first question comes from Thomas, and actually it was one of many questions that Thomas submitted through our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. So in the essence of time, I won't read this entire paragraph from Thomas, but in summary, this particular question, Thomas is asking about unvested money in his 401k and what happens to that money if he quits, if he retires, or in his situation, if his company goes through expected massive layoffs in 2024. So Thomas, this is a fantastic question. So generally speaking, if somebody quits or they are laid off or they want to retire and they have unvested dollars in their 401k, that money is, generally speaking, it is forfeited. However, if there are what Thomas is describing is expected massive layoffs. If a company lays off a big portion of their workforce, that's a totally different story. We're not talking about laying off one or two people. We're talking about entire departments. We're talking about turnover or layoffs of 20% or more. This could actually trigger what's called a partial termination of the 401k plan. And in that instance, all those unvested dollars would become vested for those people that are laid off. If that's a concern of yours, Thomas, and again, I don't use last names or anything like that. This is, if you submit a question, we're going to keep it very private and respect people's confidentiality. So in Thomas's instance, how it's going to impact him is going to depend on what kind of layoff this ends up being, if it ends up being a big layoff at all. 
And I've been a retirement planner my entire life. So I've got to work with some very nice people, some very bright people that wanted coaching and help with retirement planning. And some of them were really, really close to retirement. And then they kind of got word that, hey, there might be a layoff or a early retirement package offered in the next year. And they have kind of strategically delayed their retirement, knowing that this might be coming on the horizon. And it's really worked out for a number of them. I'm not even talking about like COBRA packages, health insurance packages that are paid for, severance packages, company stock all these different benefits that come along with these layoffs and early retirement packages. So Thomas, I don't know anything about your situation, your company, but we certainly wish you the best. And I hope that does answer your question as far as the 401k vesting. And if anybody out there doesn't know what vesting is, that's for the dollars that the company has matched as far as, okay, you put in a dollar, they match a dollar. Okay, well, there might be what's called a vesting schedule. So you might have to stay there five years before the money that the company matched is truly all yours. And it might be 20% a year for five years, but there will be a vesting schedule. You can ask your benefits department if you're curious, if you are fully vested in your 401k, you can absolutely ask your benefits department. It'll be in your plan summary document. That's what you'll want to ask for. And this next question comes from Julie, and it's in regards to her expected severance pay. She says, I'm 62 years old. Our company is going through a restructuring. Boy, isn't that a politically correct term, restructuring. (laughs) Okay, I'll keep going here. Julie says they are offering me eight weeks pay, severance pay. And I was curious how this would be taxed, if at all, and how taxes are accounted for. This will help me as I transition into retirement, start my social security, and start drawing from my retirement accounts. Thanks, Julie. Julie, thank you for your question. I hope this announcement wasn't too much of a surprise for you, but it sounds like you're doing some really, really good planning. So as far as severance pay, yes, it is going to be taxable. It's taxed as ordinary income. Typically, there will be a mandatory withholding. 22% is what we commonly see there, sometimes 25%. You will want to ask your benefits department for sure on the tax withholding, because typically it's just an automatic tax withholding that we see. Ask if they allow you to withhold state income taxes as well. But nowadays, typically it aligns with your W-4 and it's not taxed as bonus pay. Sometimes for those people out there that receive big bonus checks and they have a crazy tax withholding of 40% or something like that, that is not how they do the tax withholding on severance pay. So you're going to be good there. I would also ask Julie about any sick time, vacation time. If this is a surprise, is that going to be paid out? Does your company pay you out for those days? How all that works. And I would schedule a meeting probably as soon as possible with your financial planner to make sure you've got your retirement income plan together. Taxes are accounted for for this next year. And like I said, that you have your retirement plan updated and ready to go because this was a, hopefully wasn't too much of a surprise to you all of a sudden, but hey, now you need to pivot. You need to update your plan and look forward to retirement. Best of luck to you, Julie, and thanks for listening to the podcast. This next question did not come from a podcast listener, not from one podcast listener, but it came from many people, some of which are podcast listeners. They want to know, they're curious about 2024 and what the outlook is for the market and the economy in 2024. 
So I'll take a minute to kind of share my thoughts of all the research that I have done. But also, I'll encourage you to look at LPL Financial's 2024 market outlook. I've provided that on my website. You can get that emailed to you and download it and read it and enjoy it. Our website is retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Underneath the resource tab, you can click on 2024 market outlook, put in your email, and it gets emailed to you. And we don't spam you or send you a bunch of junk. It's just you put in your email and that's what you get. There's still a lot of economic experts and market forecasters that are predicting a recession in 2024. We heard it in 2023. Oh, we're going to have a recession. We're expect a bad market and a recession in 2023. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. And guess what? The GDP in this country grew 2.1% in the second quarter of 2023 and 4.9% in the third quarter of 2023. And that was a big, big surprise. And the market really, really took off and liked that. And then the market also liked the Fed announcement coming out and saying, hey, we're going to stop raising interest rates now and then expect up to three rate cuts in 2024. And in my opinion, those two announcements have been the real big drivers in this bull market that we've experienced since really Halloween time this year in 2023. Now, what are kind of the unknowns for next year? Well, what about the geopolitical issues that are going to be ongoing next year? Next year is an election year. How's that going to impact the market? Some of my concerns are the fact that the savings rate in this country has really started to drop back down. People are not saving. They're continuing to spend, to rack up credit card debt. You're starting to see defaults on some car loans start to mount. So those are starting to be signs of caution. And what I will say and what I will try to emphasize is the stock market, however you want to measure it, whether it's the Dow Jones Industrial Average, whether it's the S&P 500, that is not going to walk step by step, hand in hand with the trajectory of the economy. As much or as easy as it would be to say, well, the economy is doing good, the economy must be doing good because the market is up, you can't say that. Or certain sectors of the economy are not doing well. Like with high, high interest rates, look at mortgage companies. They're starting to really, really lay off a lot of people because very few people are refinancing their mortgages at 7, 8, 9%. You're just not going to do it. However, if interest rates do drop next year and the Fed does cut rates three times and you see interest rates go down and down and down, well, all these people that got mortgages at 7 8% when they bought their new home, they might say, okay, well, maybe it makes sense to refinance it at 5 But I will say as far as in years of presidential elections, the market doesn't like uncertainty. And so typically, if you look back over history, and there's a lot of research that gives evidence to support this, it's facts. In presidential election years, the market tends to be more volatile than years when there's not a presidential election. And the market, on average, slightly underperforms. Now, there's always anomalies out there. Generally speaking, I would say that lowering interest rates, if that does happen, if the rates do get cut three times next year, that will mean good things for the stock market. And it will actually be good for the economy. But will they, in fact, 
actually cut rates three times next year? We'll have to see. I will encourage you again to check out LPL Financial's 2024 Market Outlook. It's available on my website under the resources tab, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Fidelity's 2024 Outlook is available as well. Theirs is a little more vague, to be honest. I didn't enjoy it as much but it's available. So you can check out those two market outlooks and read all about it. The next question comes from Mary, and her question is about the pop-up feature on a pension, and she doesn't quite understand how it works. So I'm going to do a very, very simple explanation of it. And this is, again, generally speaking, you want to verify with your pension benefits to make sure that, Mary, your pension works the same way. But for example, here in Missouri, there's a teacher's pension that's one of the best teacher's pensions in the country. And I am overly simplifying here just for an illustration purpose only. But the way it works is, Mary, if you're married, I'm going to assume you're married, they allow you to take a single life, which means this pension will pay for as long as Mary is on this earth. But if you take the single life option, If Mary's husband were to outlive her, there would be nothing left over for him. So let's say Mary wanted to go with the 100% joint and survivor option. So, and I'm just going to throw out numbers and you'll kind of understand in this very simple example. Let's say if Mary wanted to take the single life pension for the rest of her life, they offered her $1,000 a month. But if something happened to Mary, again, there's nothing left over for her husband. And that's why some people don't take the single life option is they want to protect their spouse. So it would pay because they don't know who's going to be the surviving spouse. And they might say, oh, well, we want to take $700 a month for the rest of Mary's life. And if she were to predecease her husband, and I'll call him Bob, Bob would get $700 for the rest of his life. So the way a pop-up feature would work, like in the Missouri teacher's pension, If Mary were to actually outlive Bob and Bob passes away first, it would pop up Mary's $700 a month, 100% joint and survivor. It would pop that up to her single life of $1,000 per month. So upon Bob's passing, she would let the pension fund know, hey, my spouse passed away. And they would say, okay, well, we have the pop-up feature and therefore you're going to pop from $700 a month to then the single life, which is $1,000 a month. But it would be her responsibility to report that passing of her husband. So Mary, I hope that very simple example helps you. Not all pensions offer this pop-up feature, but I'm happy to hear that yours does. Because I think generally speaking, the more options, the more choices we have, whether it's a pension, whether it's investment choices in your 401k, the more options, the more choices, the better. Because we all have different situations, different needs, different family dynamics. And so some choices might be more appealing to one person than they are to another. And if we have more to choose from, it's not so cookie cutter. And it allows us to make choices that might be the optimal choice given somebody's specific situation. Instead of just saying, well, I guess I'll just settle for this because it's the best that's available. 
It's kind of like how my brother buys a vehicle. He might say, well, we'll just settle for this car. It's like, no, I'm over here saying, no, take your time with this vehicle decision. Do some research, do some looking around. This is, I mean, you might drive this thing for 10 years. Don't just settle for the first thing that you find or buy it from the dealership that's the closest to your house because, oh, that's the best used car closest to what we're looking for. But I digress. So Mary, I hope that helps. And thank you for your question. Next question comes from David. David said, Greg, enjoy the podcast. I have a question about the beneficiary IRA that I got from my mom. My first question is, how do I begin to convert this to my personal Roth IRA? Second question is, should I just cash it out and put it in my IRA and then do the conversions that way? That's what my sister did. Thanks, David. Boy, David, I would not want to be your sister's tax advisor next year if she did that. So first question, how do you convert this what's called a beneficiary IRA that you got from your mom to your personal Roth IRA? So you can't do that, unfortunately, David. It's a great idea. Oh, boy, I wish they would allow you to, but they don't. So that's question number one. Unfortunately, you're not able to do that. Question number two is cashing out the beneficiary IRA and then just putting the money in your personal IRA. Well, there's going to be limits, contribution limits. And in 2023, if you're over 50, it's $7,500 is what you can contribute to an IRA and get the tax deduction. By removing the money from a beneficiary IRA, that's called a distribution, and you're going to be taxed on that. There's no Pre 59 and a 10% penalty. So if you are under 59 and a that 10% penalty will not apply to you or your sister. I don't know enough about the situation. I don't know what size of a Benny IRA we're even talking about here. I mean, it could be a thousand dollars for all I know, could be a million dollars. I'm just not familiar and it wasn't in your question here. But yeah, you are unable to transfer a Benny IRA directly into your own IRA. The only way you can get money out of a Benny IRA is to take a distribution and pay the taxes on it. And if you were trying to offset those tax implications, you could, this is assuming you qualify, you're able to contribute to a tax deductible IRA. And again, check with your tax advisor and your financial planner and all those people to make sure you qualify. But if you were over 50 and you took out, this is hypothetically here, took out $7,500 out of a beneficiary IRA, you're going to pay the taxes. But if you took that money and put it in your own IRA, that would offset because you'd get a tax deduction on the 7,500. So it would be a wash. If you wanted to put that money in your Roth IRA for 7,500, you could certainly do that as well, right? Just beware that $7,500 that you took out of the beneficiary IRA, that is gonna be taxed as ordinary income. You're gonna get a 1099 on it. And with these beneficiary IRAs, again, if you inherit it after January 1st of 2020, you're on the 10-year rule. So meaning you have 10 years to spend that down to basically take money out of the beneficiary IRA and pay the taxes and get it down to zero. If you inherited the beneficiary IRA prior to January 1st of 2020, you're taking RMDs, required minimum distributions, and it's a set amount that is determined every year. You calculate how much am I going to need to take for that year. You can take more. Certainly, you can always take more, but you need to really calculate and keep track of what that amount is that you have to take every year. 
David, I hope that helps. I would, again, come up with a game plan and especially your sister. It might make sense. It's definitely going to make sense to meet with her tax advisor and make sure he or she okays her game plan and even your financial planner. And the last question of the day comes from Cindy. Cindy said, Greg, on a previous episode, you talked about the tax map that you do for clients in planning their income taxes based on their retirement income sources. Can you explain that? I didn't catch what you meant by that. Yes, indeed. Quite simply, just kind of boiling it down, what we do is we can kind of forecast what somebody's tax implications are going to be like in retirement. So we might, okay, look at their sources of income and say, okay, you have social security income and you have pension income. And then last but not least, we're taking IRA withdrawals and that's going to be taxable. Roth IRA withdrawals, as you know, are not taxable. So we don't include those. So we kind of map that out year by year and we say, okay, given these assumptions, what is your tax map going to look like? Is most of your money going to be taxed at 12%? Is any income going to be then taxed at 22? And if so, can we avoid that? So kind of we look at kind of what we call bumping the brackets, meaning, okay, we want to make sure that we're topping out that 12% bracket, if at all possible. And if not, maybe we have a strategy to do so. What we don't want to do is we don't want to just take income and money out of accounts and just willy-nilly just pull money here and pull money there. And what that does is you're just jumping into the next tax bracket and you're going to end up paying more taxes than you need to. So you really have to kind of plan ahead. You don't have to, believe me. It's just we like to see people plan ahead and that's what we do for our clients to say, okay, let's map this out and to say, okay, optimally, what is our strategy tax-wise for the next year? How much money is going to be taxed at the different tax rates? And if you're not familiar, the tax rates go 0, 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, and then the top of the bracket is 37% federal. So as an example, we have a new client that decided to work with us just this year in 2023. He was newly retired and he said he was just paying, it seemed like so much in taxes and he was, it's just he didn't have a tax map. He didn't have a strategy and a lot of his money was being taxed at 32%. And we were able to kind of trim that back and come up with a game plan so more of his money was taxed at the lower bracket at 24% instead of 32. And that's an 8% difference. And I kind of joked with him, but I said, before you met me, you were giving Uncle Sam an 8% tip. And he laughed and he said, well, that's why I found you. So I hope that helps. Yeah, that kind of the tax map is just kind of just boiling it down and saying, okay, how do we pay more taxes at the lower brackets and less taxes at the higher brackets? And that'll save you money tax-wise. So I hope that helps. Thanks for listening to me. And hopefully this episode has been fun today. If you have questions, visit my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. I'll see you next time in 2024. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only 
and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The Smart Vester Program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor Smart Vester are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. Thank you for listening to the show today. Check us out at our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And if you want some help from Greg, submit your questions at the bottom of the page or sign up for a 30-minute retirement coaching session with Greg. We'll see you next week.